This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. Got a longtime Digital Wildcatter here. I think he's been at Every one of our energy tech nights the past, uh, call it year and a half. (laughs) So faithful, faithful (laughs) energy tech night attendee, uh, energy from a quit. How are you doing today, man? I've this podcast has been great. Yeah. Podcast has been a long time in the, uh, in the making. We got introduced, uh, through our good, uh, mutual friend, Diana. And, uh, obviously, um, I've got to know y'all through energy tech nights and you guys are now, starting to starting to get equipped out there and tell y'all a story so tell us real quick what is equipped what are y'all doing so we are a b2b software company that is uh, really modernizing the way b2b has operated all these years and uh, the time is right to do that Uh, how do you simplify and accelerate how transactions happen within and outside the company uh, as well as using the ecosystem of partners, how do you interact with all these people to make your business more efficient? And uh, we are transcending all the way from customer acquisition to uh, product and service delivery. So let's talk about, you know, we were geeking out on operations in our uh, last conversation. Like it actually sounds like a quip could be used within (laughs) digital wildcatters because, you know, what I was talking about was we spent a lot of time talking about operations and communication because even a company of our size, you know, it, sometimes it can become burdensome. And we use like and, 30, 40 tools. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we're talking about, okay, now take that to a big organization like a slumberjay. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how bad that problem gets exacerbated. And you were formerly at Techneep. Um Tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about your background, and then we can dive into how um, you think about this problem. So first off, I'm not a techie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more uh, coming from it from the user side. However, my co-founder, she has done some phenomenal stuff. Uh, So one of the things we did was at Equipped, we brought this uh, multidisciplinary kind of approach so that we are not just all siloed and the way we are thinking about it, uh, including our developers. So, uh, and all this comes from the experience we've all had over the years. So I started in the industry over 25 years ago and in the field. And so- Doing what? Starting field service. So okay. Field engineer with FMC and uh, uh, Schlumberger for a period before that. and. Uh, where did you Where did you start at? Like, what part of the world did you get it your start? It was in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Uh, so, started there, and of course, uh, you know, it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Abu Dhabi, twenty five years ago, looks nothing like what it looks like today. Absolutely, but it was still very good. It yeah. was still very good. Uh, it was uh, so having traveled around the world and working, pretty much the same things have moved along. Uh, as far as technology is concerned. And uh, one of the things that I deeply appreciate is uh, how people in the field, you know, feel when they have to do all that work, whether it's in the heat of Abu Dhabi or the cold of Canada. You know, so that's something that I've always appreciated. And some of the things that we are addressing with our tool, our platform is pretty much that. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, so then I started kind of coming out of the field and going into management. Uh, did a few startups uh, as a part of FNC, uh, going to new countries and starting up new businesses uh, along the way, which really always made me feel like a startup uh, while I never had to worry about uh, you know, the funding aspect of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jake and I were actually talking about this the other day. Like people be like, yeah, we're, we're like a startup within a big company. I'm like, you don't understand <laughs> the, the pains that real startups have to go through. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, this is, this has been a phenomenal journey, but, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the exposure, uh, uh different cultures, different, mm -hmm. uh, different people and, uh, different, uh, systems around the world. That's been hugely impactful in developing what we are doing today. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have this extensive experience across the world in uh, field services. You move into management. Um, now tell us a little bit about the problems that you encountered while in management positions across these service companies, because this is kind of the genesis of the idea for Equipped, you know, identifying the pain points and challenges that you saw, um, which you, you've told me about before. Dive, in, dive into that. So one of the key things is companies, big or small, uh, they all have a variety of software uh, that they use for different parts of the business. So for example, sales uses some sort of CRM, uh, Sometimes they don't. <laughs> In oil and gas, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Uh, More time then you not. get into operations, which primarily starts looking at ERP systems of different types. And uh, none of these things are talking to each other. And then by the time you're in field service, uh, you could be in a completely different system. So one of the things we, we need to appreciate is the interconnections between all these different uh, uh, actions or operations, whether it's you're a buyer, even as a buyer, you want to interact with your, uh, you know, service providers or equipment providers, and it's the same thing. So we keep talking about uh, the loss of efficiency, some things we do not even measure today. It's, it's critical that we provide that uh, simplicity, the transparency across the value chain to different parties, which really starts uh, getting complex when you start going outside the organization. And ultimately it reduces, uh, it has an impact on your PNL. Mm -hmm. And we all scratch our heads. So along the way through these different systems, it was trying to figure out, all right, we made our top line, why didn't we make our bottom line? And uh, uh, couldn't really find the answers, though we had SAP and uh, all the the famous tools or platforms, if you will. Uh, we had all that, and we couldn't figure out. And we could dr drill down a few steps, but you're not able to catch the behaviors as they are happening. So sometimes, if you do, it's still so far behind the time mm -hmm. when it actually occurred. Uh, it's hard uh, hard for a person in management to go and pinpoint a problem and go fix it. So that's pretty much what was happening. And then a whole bunch of expensive people sit around the table trying to scratch their head and come up with a story, which uh, a lot of times is bullshit, to be honest. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so that was where we came up with the 
I had a, in fact, at the time, I wanted a tool that could give me that transparency uh, so that we could drive behaviors differently. And uh, we didn't get around to doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I love how you said, you know, you're making your top line, but not making your bottom line and then trying to figure out, you know, why, where, where, where are the leaks? You know, why are we not making our bottom line uh, goals? And then, you know, explain to us, cause I haven't seen the equipped platform. And so one of the challenges of the show is we're always talking about ideas and software, but we have to communicate it to one people that are listening through audio <laughs> and two, I haven't seen it either. So it sounds pretty burdensome to create, you know, I, I think about digital wildcatters and you look at how our internal teams are built out. You have events, you have marketing, you have sales, you have operations, you have uh, our Clyde tech team and you want all of those. I mean, we're all moving towards the same, the same direction, right? And mm -hmm. you got to be able to communicate. And um, once you lose communication between those disciplines, you know, that's when you start to have have these leaks. So explain to us how you think, like how did you think about solving that problem? Like what is the solution, which ultimately is equipped? How does it actually work? So for a start, the way we are building, so equipped has been around for about a year and a half. And the way we are going about it is building it in modules, which help different parts of the business so that it can be a plug and play into uh, our approach is not really here's a tool or a platform, just take it all. It is more, what is your problem? Let's fix that problem. Now, at a higher level, if you take a step back, it's, it's really the workflow. It's a process, right? There are inputs and there are outputs. So with those inputs, they become, or with any output, it becomes a critical input for somebody else who could be a different stakeholder in the process. Mm -hmm. So those are the connections we bring in. Okay, who are providing those inputs? How do, how do, the, how do those inputs impact you? Uh, mm -hmm. who has to take it, pick it up from there and go to the next step. So it's more so built around like departmental handoffs. It is departmental handoffs, but even, uh, you know, think about the generation that's coming along. And uh, there was actually an interesting article I was reading yesterday that came out of Bain where uh, uh, one of the statistics that stuck with me while there were a few good takeaways, and I'll forward that on to you uh, was how executives around most industries feel that uh, people are talking transition, there's a huge amount of change going on in our environment. Uh, more than 50% of executives do not feel that the workforce is ready to take on this transition. Mm. So you start thinking about how they operate today. So it's not just about the handoffs, it's the simplicity of their, pro their process as well. And how many touch points do they have? What is the attention span? And those are the kind of uh, things that we think about in terms of why do we have to do certain things? Can we flip the business model? Yeah. Uh, and those are the discussions we have with our uh, clients and uh, come up with a solution. So it's not necessarily, there's a lot of software. I mean, the big names, they'll say, yes, we can integrate with anything. We can integrate our CRM with our operations and so on. Why do people not use it? Mm -hmm. It's because it's not that seamless. It doesn't operate. It's extremely rigid. So the other aspect of our tool is our platform. We try to make it 
uh, you know, we give that DIY customization capability because in our, uh, you know, regular day-to-day lives, things are so fluid. Mm-hmm. And then we go to work and then things are so rigid. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to do this in order to get to the next step. How about making things more fluid and more easy the way it is in our lives, uh, yeah. in our personal lives? Is there, is there something that on the consumer side that you can compare this to so that we can help understand and visualize? Because I'm kind of thinking about like, is it as like a visual, almost like project management meets like an API layer, kind of like a Zapier in a way? But I don't know if automations is really in the wheelhouse or if it's more so focused on the integrations between multiple parties. So think of us as a combination of an Amazon, a Plaid, a Shopify uh, for businesses mm-hmm. okay. in the industrial space. So that's pretty much how we think about it. And we are so blissfully unaware of uh, you know things that happen behind the scenes uh, off the Amazons and the Ubers of the world. We we put a lot of uh, you know our time into purchasing things, but the, all, all those complexities still exist. So if it has been solved in the B2C space, then why can it not be solved in the B2B space? And that's really our approach. So a lot of ideas we take are from those kind of things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Which is also a good strategy in industry just overall. You take things that have worked in B2C and consumer, yeah. and then you can apply it to industry because industry tends to you know run decade behind so it's a very solid strategy to look at things do you like have that. some more specific use cases on these modules and are you building these to be universal that all customers can use or are these kind of just one-off per no per so customers? these are pretty standard so the way we have built our platform is uh, there's a couple of things let me take a step back so b2b a lot of companies have spent millions or tens of millions of dollars on multiple software So it is going to be ridiculous for us to think that we can go there and say, get rid of SAP or something else. Mm -hmm. So we can complement. So we are a low-code, no-code type uh, product. Mm -hmm. So what we can do. We can talk about that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So we can complement any existing tech stack and make it more useful. Mm -hmm. There are companies out there, large companies, who we are talking to right now who I do not want to name here, but uh, what they're saying is they're willing to decouple portions of these big platforms that they use that do not work. Mm -hmm. So that's where we come in. Specific use case uh, to your question. Uh, So our first client is the world's largest steel producer, ArcelorMittal Energy Projects. Their energy projects division looks after oil and gas and offshore wind. Okay. What they wanted, we actually beat the big two in the space to win the win a global contract from them. Uh, they wanted something. Who are the big two in the space? Let's call them out. Oh, okay. All right. Because <laughs> I, I don't know who they are. So, well, I'm so I'm, I was going there. So it was more a CRM plus type of thing that yeah. ArcelorMittal wanted. So the big two are Salesforce and Microsoft. Yeah. So we... Suck it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, that's so, pretty cool, though, yeah. being able to get a global contract with a huge uh, industrial provider um, and gaining their trust to win out over big, big tech companies. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, so the way we are building it is extremely modular. So think of it as going down a supermarket aisle. Now, you'll pick up some stuff from one 
you know, shelf and then move down the kind of 10 steps, you pick up something else and so on. So ultimately, the, the, the ingredients, if you will, are there in our portal. Mm-hmm. Now, when we come to you, to you, it feels extremely customized because you just want this and then you want to take another 10 steps and pick up the next product. Mm-hmm. Supermarket shelf. Mm-hmm. So we can put all of them together and make that uh, the data and the communication flow through the way you want it. So for us, it's more configurations, more so than, yes, there, of course, we are new and there will be certain aspects that we may not have developed, which we will develop and have the capabilities of developing. But to you, you get what you really want. And that's how we operate in our B2C lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you brought up a point earlier, um, just talking about, you know, being fluid in our personal lives, and then when you get to work, it's rigid. I mean, we run into that same problem, too, especially as a high-growth company, is that you'll start using software, and it becomes so rigid that, you know, it's always like, you'll have like three three softwares that you're analyzing, and it's like, okay, one can do this, one can do this, but, you know, none of them can do all three things, and you just start building on software that becomes rigid, and then... You have to add on another software to be able to do this one this one function, and uh, you know back to the uh, no code low code comment as well. I mean, we built out technology using no code, and I mean this is revolutionary technology that um, it's it's so it's going, to, it's going to change the way that companies build uh, build build products, and so that's really interesting to hear that you guys are you know going going exactly. That route. I mean, ultimately, look, we there's a few things. Uh, partnerships is a key thing. So our goal is not to go and reinvent the wheel on everything. Our secret sauce is in the way we approach uh, a customer uh, and solve their problem. So it is not about replicating something, but it's about how we use things that are available. And speed to market is key. The transition is happening. We are talking industry 4.0. Some people are already talking about industry 5.0. What was not there even three years ago in terms of technology is there today Mm -hmm. and it's rapidly evolving so we need to keep up with all these changes fast so that we can make it faster for our customers and one of the promises we make our customers is we are going to do it in weeks not years that some of us have gone through uh, in our uh, past lives where a software implementation uh, is expensive it's uh, resource intensive. You have to, I mean, I recall putting teams together to go help the software implementation partner. Why do we need all this if we can get to it faster? So we want to do it in weeks, not years. Mm-hmm. We, we have demonstrated that with our first two clients. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny when software is supposed to help scale and become efficient, but then you have to build up whole mm-hmm. teams around implementation, and you're like, this isn't the this aspect. And then yeah. a few years later, when you actually get something, you already, the, 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 the feeling of sunk cost, you kind of start denying it. It's, <laughs> it's like, okay, I've put in so much money, now I have to really make this work. And it's still not, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a very much a mental element there, right? Where you've dedicated so much money and time and resources that you're almost like, we have to make it work. Exactly. It it doesn't, but it doesn't. So, which is where we, we try to differentiate ourselves that look, that's not the way it should work. Don't let the 
tail wag the dog. Yeah. You know, let not, you shouldn't be working for the software, let the software work for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that flexibility is what we provide. Uh, the, um, so you have this, this first client, you know, large, uh, steel producer, um, helping them build out, uh, products for their, uh, energy practice. Let's talk about the, the, the types of companies, um, one that this can service or two that you guys are targeting, because I know that, I mean, really it sounds like it's probably agnostic to, um, type of companies. Um, but why don't you dive in on that a little bit? So, uh, a few of us have some pretty deep, significant oil and gas industry uh, background. So our beachhead is really oil and gas. Yeah. Uh, however, our vision is, uh, to your point, uh, Colin, it's more, it could be industry agnostic. Uh, I mean, think about it. Uh, I've talked to executives in uh, healthcare, aviation, all Co sorts of companies things, like right? Coca-Cola, Boeing. I mean, they probably even all the Houston <laughs> Astros. Yeah. So, <laughs> everyone has to acquire a customer and has to deliver a product or service. So it applies. It's the way they apply it is different. Their market dynamics are slightly different. So how do we adapt to that? But our initial beachhead is oil and gas. So our second client is a really great client, Paloma Pressure Control, uh, who have a significant frac uh, market share, rental market share mm -hmm. in the Permian. So uh, so we are focusing on oil and gas. However, when the opportunity arises, we will take on others. Mm -hmm. uh, That's pretty well, cool. So. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm sure there's some examples that I can't think off the top of my head, but it's pretty cool that software that's built for oil and gas, but then has the potential to scale to mm -hmm. other industries or verticals. I mean, it's a, um, you know, hopefully someday you guys are very successful in doing that. And that'll be a cool story to look back on that oil and gas software was able to scale outside of the industry. Um, third client, I don't know, we got to, got to get a, a demo on a trial and see if we can use this <laughs> at uh, DW, maybe your third client. Um, yeah. And that's, I think that. One, the flexibility, you know, how do you guys look at it? Like, you know, say that the operation, let's use Coca-Cola or Houston Astros, their operations, you know, while it may be as simple as you said of you have to acquire a customer and then deliver a product, obviously the operations of that are going to look completely different than the operations of a pressure control um, company. Is this product something that any company can pull off the shelf and autumn, like just is it so intuitive that they know how to build um, something specifically for their organization or is there some element of having to walk them, walk them through that? So uh, to answer your first question, yes, it is something that we can pull off the shelf and it's almost think of it like uh, renaming fields. Yeah. What, what we may call a fractory, somebody else calls, uh, I don't know, <laughs> a Boeing engine. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yes. So that configuration is there. How do you start bringing in new fields? It's almost like an Excel spreadsheet where we could add columns all day long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that can be done. Now, how things, how the data transfers from one input to, uh, or one output to the other input, 
those are the things that are unique by business. Even in fact, forget about uh, you know uh, different industries. Even one frack company operates differently from another. <laughs> yeah, frack it's company. not even different industries. It's within exactly. The same they're yeah. doing the same thing yeah. in a different way. So, which is where it has to be flexible, and that's how we think through it. Yeah, uh, and our foundational elements uh, that we have built are around that. That how can we just apply it to different companies so that we're not going with one standard here, one size does not fit all, even when you are adjacent competing companies. Yeah. So you're making this sound really easy, but I bet it's not. So like, what are the challenges, <laughs> like what are the challenges associated with it? Or what's the secret sauce that you guys have kind of learned throughout your career to be able to apply this and pull it off? Like, why isn't anybody else doing this? So it's just about thinking through it deeply. So everybody, software of this, not this nature, this interconnected, uh, but the software in silos exists, has existed forever. But if you look at the go-to-market strategies that many of the large companies uh, employ, uh, it becomes really challenging. And so also the other thing is change management, which is so critical. Executives get, uh, you know, it's a really daunting task to take on, oh my God, I just finished an SAP implementation, which just took away my breath and, you know, <laughs> now I have to start another one. Mm-hmm. How do the people who have to actually use it it's react so, to it? It's so funny that SAP has the business that they do and everybody, the first thing they say is like, oh my God, it's like <laughs> never ending SAP. Imagine a business where you're just like your entire customer experience sucks so much that people are like, God, we have no other option. Everyone hates you, but <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, shit, we have to do this other SAP. So clearly, I mean, this is not a knock on SAP, but clearly SAP does a lot of things yeah. really yeah. well, but it does not do a lot of things really well. Mm-hmm. Which blows my mind because why wouldn't like why wouldn't you listen to your customers and understand their biggest pain points and build these integrations? I mean, you just get so big to the point it's, where you can't build anymore. Exactly, your ship is too hard to turn. Yeah, and the way you've trained your people and so on to go to market. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the last ten acquisitions that Salesforce has made. Mm-hmm. You can start seeing what they somebody at Salesforce must be thinking about, but you do not see those behaviors translate into the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm here to sell you a CRM. And yeah, mm-hmm. this is what it looks like. So, as far as uh, developing the technology, um, you know, tell us how y'all went went about that. And uh, I'm pretty sure you guys are bootstrapped um, for the most part. Um, got two clients. Kind of tell us about you know how you guys actually built the product um, and. It's kind of the, the history of adoption. So, because you said y'all, it's about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Been doing this for about a year and a half, right? So, what we started with was just a few of us sat in a room late at night. Uh, it's all good ideas. Get, get rolling. I will have a couple of beers, and uh, <laughs> that's where the ideas start flowing. Maybe a te- tequila or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So we we uh, really did the wireframing of what all we want to cover and in what sequence do we want to cover these things. Of course, uh, you know, we've all, you and us, we've all been through this. Our priorities change based on how a customer wants things. Mm -hmm. So though we had said we were going to do our e-commerce later or first, uh, actually that got pushed to the right because our customer wanted something else first. Mm -hmm. 
However, we were going to build it all. So as long as it fits our roadmap of what we're, we do not want to become an ERP system. Mm -hmm. So what do we want to do? What do we not want to do? I think uh, part of strategy, that's, that portion of it needs to be really clear in the mind of a startup. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you start adapting to it. Uh, so we wireframed everything. And then as our customers started coming in, we started shuffling the deck, if you will, on which ones we were going to do first get user acceptance uh, and the beauty of it so far has been that our customers are paying for our product which shows the you know product market fit mm -hmm. people are using it and we are able to uh, use certain elements that we built for the first customer use it for the second customer mm -hmm. and the third and so on so it kind of it it makes complete sense that uh, that supermarket aisle kind of thing yeah uh, analogy yeah, and then y'all are gearing up for a capital raise, right? I'm gonna yeah, raise yeah. Uh, will it be Series A for y'all or no, it's seed, a seed round? Seed round, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um, you know, now that you found product market fit, bootstrapping a product market fit. I mean, most companies fail before finding product market fit. So you can bootstrap to, hey, I've got some some pilots or paying clients. I mean, it's usually positive positive signal um mm -hmm. and then at that point you can raise some capital um to start scaling and growing you know what's the plan for y'all after the uh after the the capital raise i mean are you going to be hiring on technical side you know biz dev how do you guys think about the next six to 12 months so we're thinking we need to augment so we we've got five really hot leads that we if we land up with three of them, I think we are going to be a little tight. Uh, our, <laughs> it's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. At the same time, you know, the promises that I mentioned earlier, it'll take weeks, not years, and those kind of things. It'll kind of, uh, we don't want to lose that edge. Mm -hmm. Because things are fresh in your mind. Mm -hmm. You get a product four weeks later, and you're off to the races. Mm -hmm. Your market has not changed completely. By then. Yeah. So, so we don't want to lose that. So there will be an expansion in our development team. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is a very, you know, you say it's a good problem to have, but I don't care what anyone says. Growth takes resources because the problem is, especially when you have more work than what you can handle, which we've been there before too leaving money on the table just because we don't have the band, the bandwidth to, to capture it or deliver and so that becomes a that becomes a, a problem in itself. Gross an entirely it's an entirely different problem. I mean, personally, for me, it is. I do not want to promise something never in my career. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I'm not going to promise you something that I cannot deliver. Mm -hmm. And that's a core value. Yeah, and that's what builds customer relationships. Mm -hmm. So so let's so we want to scale, get ahead. Uh, also, now that we have some product market fit, uh, we are able to manipulate, uh, you know, or configure, if you will, the elements of our product. We need to take it to the market. So our sales, we have uh, just a few of us who are selling it. Yeah. Now to, to gain that scale, we, we need to get some salespeople. So sales, biz dev, um, and yeah, technology are going to be the primary places where we put yeah. the money. Preaching, preaching to the choir. When you're a bootstrap founder, you do you do everything until it's, <laughs> it's so it's so much fun. Honestly, yeah. I, I love it. Say big change from uh, your background, a big uh, big corporate oil and gas. Uh, 
companies. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, in fact, I was uh, with an executive from a pretty large company last night. Uh, we were golfing and uh, and we were just talking about this and their company is looking at starting a venture fund and mm-hmm. so on. And But they've still got that big corporate mindset, though they're trying to hire people uh, who can bring that other angle and what a startup looks like, where should you put the money and so yeah. on. So, but this has been a huge learning curve for me personally and uh, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we appreciate you coming on and telling your story. And I know that there's uh, people listening to this that are going to be interested in in Equip. Um, if they want more information about y'all, where can they where can they find y'all? Do you have the website up? Or, uh, can they find you on LinkedIn? How should they get a hold of you? Yeah, both. So our website is uh, equipped with a dash t.com, E-Q-U-I-P dash t.com. Cool. We could not get the equipped.com <laughs> domain. It would have cost us a lot of money. Yeah. So perhaps in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, uh, they can look me up on LinkedIn. So Awesome. Well, we will uh, put a link down into the show notes. So if you guys want to check out Equip, uh, reach out on LinkedIn or go to equip.com with a dash. We appreciate you coming on the show, man. Appreciate you being part of Energy Tech Night. We'll have to yeah. get you to present at uh, at the next Energy Tech I Night. I really appreciate you guys taking the time and giving us the opportunity to be here. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. Go, 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 go.